News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Gold is talk about fascism. They are guilty of that which they accuse you. This speech that uh, Joe Biden delivered, President Biden delivered. Uh, by the way, did you see that his wife, Joe Biden, walked to, uh, sorry, Dr. Joe. You call him Dr. Joe. You call her Dr. Joe. Anyway, that's a reference to an Indiana Jones movie. But the uh, walk up to the podium, he seemed a little stumbly, unsure of his footing. And I'm old enough to remember when people in the media were very, very interested in analyzing how a president walked. Is he walking on the fronts of his feet? Is he having a hard time walking down a ramp, let's say? They're very interested. And they they could discern from the gait or uh, the way the steps fall. Is it heel to toe or toe to heel, they could determine that this person was insane. They knew it. They knew it. Just look at the way he's standing. Oh, my gosh. Look at the way he's walking. He's crazy. 25th Amendment. I remember these days. Oh, like they were yesterday. I did notice that uh, Biden had a little bit of a problem walking up there, clutching Dr. Jill's hands. And then he gets up there and he delivers that Nazi-like speech. Seriously, guys. And look, I don't, I I am of the Godwin uh, uh, theory here, you know, like all of these arguments on the internet eventually end up with the Nazis. And that's when you know that the argument is over. But in this case, it like, it starts with the Nazis. So it, there's no way you look at that image and think anything other than that. How, again, could you imagine if Trump was in front of it? First off, the lighting would have been bad just because of, you know, orange man and all of that. But well, just it wouldn't go, the look wouldn't, it wouldn't look right. Orange on red. It just, it's not the same. Anyway, all of that aesthetic screamed authoritarian. All of it. Did they know that? I think they did. It's provocation. Larry Alex Taunton. He talks about this at his website. I went over it in the first hour as well. But there's one other point that I did not get to I want to uh, uh, come back to here. Democrats, this is why I've I've adopted uh, the the name of it, the Biden-Stag fire speech. Because, like, this is... that's uh, That's the aesthetic they're going for, but it also had the same sort of intent. Right? Demonization of your enemies is sometimes not even adequate. In 1933, Hitler's propaganda machine ran an unrelenting campaign to dehumanize Jews, engineering then the Reichstag fire. And please don't correct me on my German. Like, I really don't care to pay homage to the Nazi pronunciation of anything. So anyway, this imagery or sorry, this imaginary insurrection was presented as proof that the Jews were evil subversives who must be eradicated from German society. Not coincidentally, a month later, on the outskirts of Munich, Dachau, the first of many so-called protective custody camps was opened. So are there people looking for their own sort of 
equivalent. Like they thought they may have had it with the January 6th insurrection, but the hearings have so far not really worked, right? If you're trying to knock down Trump's popularity. That brings us to Philadelphia. He says in his study of the Russian gulag system, historian George Kennan observed, quote, wrong a person, deny him all redress, exile him. If he complains, gag him. If he cries out, strike him in the face if he struggles. And at last he will stab and throw bombs. Right? So describing the progression that gets you from disagreement to violence, right? And if you are the one uh, in this relationship with the monopoly on the use of force, in other words, the state, the government, right, then this is how you induce the violent behavior. I always say this also. I talk about how politics is vital. This is why I believe in it, because that's the way you avoid the violence. Politics is how we settle disagreements, right, this great debate. This is how we're supposed to settle things. When people say, shut up, there's no more debate, the issue is settled, the science is settled. When there is one side actively trying to silence the other, that's the authoritarian side. Just a good rule of thumb there, people. You could just kind of default to that, and maybe not in every circumstance, but the vast majority of the time, the people saying shut up, they've got the losing position. They just and they don't want to debate. They don't want to discuss any longer. Wrong a person. Deny him all redress. Exile him if he complains. Gag him if he cries out. Strike him in the face if he struggles. And at last he will stab and throw bombs. So is this all in an effort to provoke people into the stabbing and bomb throwing acts? I mean, not the Juicy Smollett variety. Not, no, not like that, right? Like actual stuff, right? The Bubba effect, this is what it was called as well, like years ago during uh, the Clinton era, where people get so mad at the government and they lash out. Think Timothy McVeigh, right? And you just end up with these events that occur because of the provocation, Back to Scott Street's piece at thefederalist.com. He's a Democrat who thinks Biden's rhetoric has gone too far. And he says, after all, while the president warns about fascism or semi-fascism, whatever that is, his administration is the one censoring people who disagree. Which brings me to this story from this weekend over at theblaze.com. A new peer-reviewed study found that regular use of... Ivermectin reduced the risk of dying from COVID-19 by 92%. I'm old enough to remember when mentioning Ivermectin would get you the banhammer on social media. This was a large study conducted by Flavio A. Cadigiani. He's a board-certified endocrinologist with a master's degree and doctorate degree in clinical endocrinology. The peer-reviewed study was published Wednesday by the online medical journal Curious. Not Curious, but C-U-R-E-U-S. Curious. I think it's Latin. The study was conducted on a strictly controlled population of 88,012 people from the city of Itajai in Brazil. 
Individuals who used ivermectin or took the medication before being infected by COVID, so they either started taking it when they got COVID or they started taking it before they got COVID, um, they experienced significant reductions in death and hospitalization. When one group of people is telling you to shut up about something, science is settled, debate is over, you don't get to say these things. They're the tyrants. They've got the losing argument. That's what we saw in COVID. In fact, that's what kind of led, that that has always kind of steered me. When I see in a debate one side shouting at the other one that they need to just shut up, I usually don't pick that side. I usually go with the people being told to shut up. I know it's a little bit anti-authority kind of streak I've got uh, in my character, but also it's a pretty good rule of thumb. It's a pretty good rule of thumb as to who are the guys that uh, that have sort of similarly aligned views on freedom and those who do not. So use it if you would like. It's a standard. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. If you want to uh, join the program discussion, I have just seen a video clip of, oh, this is what's going on here. Hang on, hang on. All right. I've just seen a video clip of Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She is the, she's the kid in school that did not read the book and then has to get up in front of the class and give the oral report. And they're trying to exude this confidence, like, oh, I, I read the book. Uh, yeah, I read it. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a very important piece of literature for our era, don't you know? And uh, anybody who has read the book would know how important it is. Like, it's, it's just ridiculous, which is actually what she uses this term, ridiculous, to describe a comparison between Donald Trump saying the election uh, was stolen versus when she said two elections were stolen. See, it's, it's what a ridiculous comparison. I mean, duh, obviously. One is Donald Trump saying it and one is me saying it. So, duh, ridiculous analogy. Donald Trump can't say that thing that I said on two different occasions. It's totally different. Also, uh, if I look at, you know, not just the fact that it's Orange Man bad saying it versus me saying it, and I'm like a great person, but also I did it twice. So the analogy completely falls apart because I did it twice and he only did it once. Ah, see? Ridiculous. I'm not, re- I'm not even really kidding here, people. This is the level of stupidity emanating at the White House. You want to hear it? I'm going to get back to the ivermectin thing. I, I, I will not forget. I got it right here. I have it highlighted, the part where I left off. I will come right back to it. But I just saw this thing, and you know me. It's like I, I, get, I get distracted by some shiny objects every now and again, and this one's pretty shiny. All right, let's take a listen. You're going to want to hear it. This is, of course, Peter Ducey, like the only guy in the entire press briefing that asks a question. Well, I shouldn't say that. What's his name from uh, Washington Examiner? I think he does. Eddie Lawrence, too. He's a... 
He used to work here in Charlotte, WBTV. I knew Eddie when he was here. Uh, so he's now at Fox Business. So he, he asked her a question. All right, so it's like three people in the room. Uh, Wegman, Wegman, that's Philip Wegman is his name. That's the third guy. There are these three people that will ask questions. Everybody else is just like stenographers. All right, here we go. On the MAGA Republicans, you tweeted in 2016 Trump stole an election. I was waiting, Peter, when you were going to ask me that question. Well, here we go. All right, well, then she should know an answer to it, right? If she knew this question was coming because she knew her tweets saying that the elections were stolen by Brian Kemp and by Donald Trump in 2016, if she already knew that the question was coming, she should be prepared with an answer. Let's take a listen. You tweeted Trump stole an election. You tweeted Brian Kemp stole an election. If denying election results yeah. is extreme now. Yeah. Why so let's that? let's be really clear that that comparison that you made is just ridiculous. I have How been I have ridiculous. been well, you're asking me you're asking me a question. Yes. Let me answer it. And you said it was Wait, ridiculous. I was I was talking specifically at that time of what was happening with voting rights and the what was in danger of voting rights. That's what I was speaking to at the time. And here's the thing. I have said Governor Kemp won the election in Georgia. I've been clear about that. Uh, I have said President Trump won the election of 2016, and I've been clear about that. What we are talking about right now is Let's not forget what happened on January 6, 2021, when we saw an insurrection, a mob that was incited by the person who uh, occupied this campus, this facility at that time. And it was an attack on our democracy. Let's not forget people died that day. Law enforcement were attacked that day. That was the. Do you remember Donald Trump holding up the Bible in front of that church? Do you remember that? Do you remember why he walked over to that church? Does anybody anybody remember why he walked over to the church? It was a thumb in the eye to the thousands of people that had surrounded the White House, engaged in violent, dare I call it insurrection-y, activity with the cops, right? Engaged in violence against cops. They surrounded the White House with intent to storm the White House and do what? And Trump walked across the street to the church that got set on fire by the leftist goon squad. And he walked over there with the Bible and everybody was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he would do that. I could. We, we, we all just forget about that, though, right? Everybody wants to look at January 6th as if history began on that day, and it did not. Society had been prepped for this kind of political violence for years prior. I told you, the other team gets a swing at bat here. The other team gets to go on offense, too. You don't get to have the last word on all these debates and stuff, and the standards you set for yourself are going to be followed by your opponents as well. So be very careful what standards you adopt. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. You can email Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. You can also hit me up on the Twitter machine at Pete Callender or call 704-570-1110 or 1-800-WBT-1110. And uh, we'll go over here. This is Janet. Welcome to the show, Janet. How are you? I'm good. I hope you are. I am, yes. What's up? Well, um, you've got to share the truth. If you're going to do things, you've got to share the truth. On the day that he was holding up the Bible, the people were not 
fighting for him. All the the protesters were not fighting for him. On the 6th, the people were fighting for him. He was going to be leaving office, or he he was hoping he would not be leaving office on the fourth, you know, in 14 days. Mm-hmm. But those people, he said, we're going to walk up to the Capitol. And uh, fortunately, people did stop him, or he did not, whichever one, it does not matter. But those people were fighting for him. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the difference is what? With the other, the, wh- difference, the difference is those people were fighting for him. That's why they were not, he was not g- wanting to stop them and so forth. He did not want to stop those people. People have testified that he had the doors open and was listening to him. I didn't vote for Trump. I didn't vote for Biden. Me neither. These men are too old. They're too old to serve office, in my opinion. Right, but I don't understand what. So what you said because you started off with the premise that I was somehow or another not giving people the truth or something. And what what that was it that I think you've got to say the truth here? What was the truth? So you're what did I say that wasn't the truth? You're stating that he's holding up the Bible. Yeah, and he 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 is being for the police. He's being for the police. I didn't say that. The insurrection. Or, yeah. Well, basically, that's what you're. No, no, no. Don't 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 do that. Don't say basically you meant this. No, I said what I said. I'm pretty clear in what I say. You know, words have meaning. I try to make sure that I say what I mean and mean what I say. And so, I said that he he was the White House was surrounded by protesters, violent protesters, right? And this is you, correct. You, right. You know that. And like they got into uh, physical confrontations with law enforcement. And by the way, this wasn't even the first time. This wasn't the first time that a Trump event, Trump's own inauguration, there were like 200 some odd people arrested, six cops injured. They burned a limo. Right. Like th- this is from the very beginning. The left was engaging in political violence against but but we know now this was not the left, and that's what I'm. I saying. understand that. He, I'm well aware of that. But you're saying that these people that came on on that day on the sixth, yeah, they they he had the power to stop it. Absolutely, he did. He has, we have not seen the uproar from him on that. We love you. Go home. We love you. Right. Come on, man. Come right. On. No. I look, Janet. I said the day after it happened because I I was doing a podcast at that point, so I. The day after it happened, because uh, while it was happening, I was actually watching Roy Cooper's COVID press conference. But the the next day, yeah, no, I I talked at length about how Trump could have done more to prevent that, could have stopped it, could have sent people home. And his actions, I found to be derelict in allowing it to. Right. So but so, but but here's the thing, Janet, I don't have to pick one or the other. I can I can actually say the violence was wrong on Trump's inauguration day. The violence was wrong on January 6th. And me pointing out that the political violence is wrong when either side does it, that's not some sort of whataboutism. I'm not trying to cover for one side or the other. I'm saying as a standard that should be universally applied, you should not engage in this kind of violence. That's true. And I want to go one step further to say this, and maybe maybe I'm wrong in it. I feel like he should have stepped in and stopped all the violence that was going on with the protesters in these other states. I think if it had been shut down sooner, then, and if if the, the guard okay. had come in, then maybe some of these other things would not have happened. So let's, that, that's, that's an, you yeah, know, that's an interesting thought. So let's, let, let's, 
uh, sort of game theory that out, right? We can say, all right, well, how would he go- have gone about doing it? He can't, de- like the National Guard would be for the governors to call in, and the governors were refusing to do it. And at some point, Trump tried to uh, force some actions on uh, some states and localities, and uh, he was rebuffed, right? So if you had, you had, this is why people like me during this time period, we were outraged that Democratic politicians, elected officials refused to take control of their streets, refused. When governors offered assistance to local cities, Charlotte is an example of one, and they were rebuffed. They said, no, we don't want them because there was this huge Black uh, uh, Black Lives Matter backlash, right? And nobody wanted to be seen as coming in and quashing the people's movement and that sort of thing. So you had the one on the one hand, I don't know what he could have done short of sending in federal troops. Um, but also what would, what would the downside be if he sends in government forces, federal forces that then put down the riots? Do you think he gets praise for that? Well, maybe less lives would have, have been lost and maybe and less businesses would have been lost. I, uh, th- that, that is possible. Yeah, that's possible. Maybe some people who are dead now may have otherwise been alive. I, I don't know. It may, have actually, it may have made things worse, though, um, because, you, I mean, imagine Orange Man Bad s- sending in the troops to, uh, you know, to Portland. Do you think that, I mean, we saw, we saw people in Portland lay siege to a federal courthouse for over 200 straight days, attacking federal agents that were there to protect the building. Why would we think what? anything different would have occurred had it been troops sent there by Trump? I, I, I think it actually would have been worse. I think more intervention by Trump might have actually been worse. But I don't know. It's just speculation. I know. I, I know. Nobody has, the, nobody has the answer. But I know that stirring the pot always makes it worse. Yeah. Stirring well, the pot. Yeah, people, yeah, they're they're playing with fire and they think that they're not going to get burned by this stuff. They well, can not, just like whip up not, a mob. We have we can't say they, we have to say we. We can't say they because we we can't say they. We have to say we because we we're, we're all a part of it when we vote for who we vote for. I disagree with that. People I, no, yeah, people who call people just voting for somebody, voting for somebody doesn't make you culpable for their actions in perpetuity. Or the actions of their other followers, right? I, think, I don't. I don't know. I. I. I, I feel like that people um, have have been lied to for 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 so long. They don't know what the truth is anymore by politicians in general. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't. They can't see the truth. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I agree with that. I think. People are uh, way more cynical now than maybe they used to be, but also there's a lot more information, so people get exposed. Yeah, so people get a lot more information. So, uh, and and maybe that's good, maybe that's bad, maybe it's a little uh, a little of both. I don't know. Um, I I I don't I I don't accept a premise though that says I voted for this person and, and so did you. You did something bad, so I'm responsible for your behavior. No, no, I don't. I don't mean that. I mean we just don't. We don't hear. We don't hear what they say sometimes because of party and and things like that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, hey, look. I always say, uh, you know, be careful when you fall in love with a politician because they're going to break your heart. They always do. They're human beings, right? They're going to fail. They're going to and they're going to break your heart. And so people get really, really attached to politicians. I don't understand why. 
I, I just, it's one of the things I don't get. And so, uh, but I recognize it when I see it. And uh, I, I try to warn people not to go down that path because it, it'll, it'll cloud your vision for all sorts of other things. Okay. Yeah. Well, Janet. That's all I was, that's what, that's, this, that was just the point that I was saying was that the, the rioters and, and so forth. And then he could have done something to have stopped those rioters. And, but it was because it was for him that he did. And I mm-hmm. guess that's where I was, um, I understand your point. I also think that the very same standard applies to Democratic governors during the Black Lives Matter Summer of Love. I do. I think the same thing applies to them. They refuse to crack down on the rioting and looting in their cities and and states because there was political benefit to not doing so. They're the same thing. You know, it was the same thing. I feel like the, the, you know, I, I understand that the racial the racial things and the more that you understand about history and things like that you um can understand oppression and so forth and you know and even myself learning more things about how they have killed you know they they killed all those people in that town you know 300 people i didn't learn that in history are you talking about it tulsa are you talking about you know, tulsa or wilmington uh tulsa yeah. it's just it's just crazy mm-hmm. and i learned about feeling you know you know, prom land, you know, beach land. So then, okay, so what you're saying, so now it kind of sounds like you're like, well, you know what, I do recognize that maybe sometimes some political violence is necessary. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Before I forget. Peer-reviewed study found regular use of ivermectin reduced the risk of dying from COVID-19 by 92%. Large study. Uh, This was done by an endocrinologist uh, named Flavio, not kidding, Catagiana, sorry, Catagiani, and uh, in Brazil, individuals who used ivermectin as a prophylaxis or took the medication before being infected by COVID experienced significant reductions in death and hospitalization. According to the study, those who took ivermectin regularly had a 92% reduction in their COVID death risk compared to non-users, and 84% less than irregular users. Hospitalization rate was reduced by 100% in regular users compared to both irregular users and non-users. See, so those who used it regularly had the best results. The impressive reduction was evident despite the regular users being at a higher risk for COVID death. The uh, study author, Kadejiani, wrote on Twitter, quote, an observational study with the size and level of analysis as ours is hardly achieved and infeasible to be conducted at a randomized clinical trial. Conclusions are hard to be refuted. Data is data regardless of your beliefs. Also, the defective street lamps in Noda are apparently purple. Not blue. There you go. Let me go over here to Steve. Welcome to the show. Hello, Steve. How are you? Hey, Pete. How you doing? Hey, I'm good. What's going on? Good, good. Hey, you know, you, uh, have you played the uh, the clip from the uh, Dropkick Murphys for your listeners? <laughs> no, I haven't. I didn't even listen. I saw it making the rounds this weekend, and I said, oh, I got to go listen to that. And then I was like, you know what? I don't really care what they have to say. Well, you ought to. And for those okay. folks that are... What do they say? Yeah, you know, they can look it up. You know, they... Look, look, just Google uh, Dropkick Murphys and Fascism. It'll come up for them. 
you don't want to yeah yeah i'm i'm here you don't you don't want to i don't know like give a little bit more information than that or well i mean you know they just they just called out the parameters uh, uh, in a in a pretty profane way i mean you'd have to bleep some of it if you played it so maybe it's better if people just google it you know and you but, um, and you like this? You know, there's 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 two parameters. You've been talking. I mean, okay. What is really interesting that um, there is so much you know hurt feelings about this. I mean, the truth hurts, I guess. But there's two parameters for 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 at least two. You know about fascism, and one is that uh, that that elections are denied. You know, and the other is a willingness to use violence to achieve political ends. Right. I, I think that that's a very limited view of what fascism can entail. Well, it does entail think, those things, but it's broad. parameters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of the early parameters back in the 30s. Okay. Right? Yeah, Steve, the music's playing. I got to run. I appreciate the call. I will go find out, find the video clip of the Dropkick Murphys and watch it for myself. But uh, if that's what they said, I would probably have some additions.